Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 19 through 21. I'm preaching part three of a series that I started a couple weeks ago called No Lost Causes. Uh, week one, I, I talked about, well, first of all, a lost cause is something that has just simply never been introduced to the hope of Jesus. There's no lost causes with Jesus because Jesus brings hope everywhere he goes. Uh, week one, I talked about the feeling we have when we lose something of great value to us. There's no way we can rest until we find that thing. Uh, I talked about losing my son once at uh, SeaWorld, <laughs> how you feel terrible when you lose uh, something of great value, especially when it's a person, <laughs> and, and you can't stop until you find it. Then I talked week two, last week, about how we feel when we're lost, the terrible feeling it is to be lost, and how great it feels to see a little light at the end of the tunnel when you're lost and see a sign that can point you back to the right direction. So we talked about the value of losing something, of being lost and found. And this week I'm going to kind of go into a different sort of idea about maybe you're at a phase or a juncture of your life where uh, you just feel like you don't, you don't get what's going on. And, and even if you feel lost, you're not here today. So 1 Kings chapter 19, 19 says this. It says, so Elijah, somebody say Superman. By the way, Elijah was the closest thing that we know to a superhero. Okay, this guy... There was a contest, and I'm not even joking. I'm not making this up. There was an actual contest of who had the most spiritual power. The bad guys brought all the evil prophets, and Elijah came as the real prophet, and they said, we're going to call down fire from heaven, and whoever's God is real, that fire comes down. So this is like, I call it the spiritual Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, so, so Elijah's the closest thing we've ever seen in Superman. I'm talking about miracles on demand, crazy levels of anointing that's on his life. Everyone knew who he was. So it says, Elijah went down from there, and where is there? He had just come from the spiritual Super Bowl that I'm talking about, and after this great move of God, he got depressed, even suicidal, uh, because Jezebel, this evil queen, he had killed all her prophets with fire from heaven, and she was mad at him and wanted him murdered. So he's sitting there even after this great move of God, getting, feeling sorry for himself, real down on himself. And the God speaks to him on this mountain, Mount Horeb, and says, I'm going to have you find your successor. Uh, and so that's where he goes from. He goes from Mount Horeb, and it says, Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Now, real quick, because this is not a common language that we use, I want you to get a vision of this real quick. So 12 yoke of oxen is 24 oxen. Each of the two are yoked together, uh, pulling together, and someone is each, there's a person on each of them, or that's like, you know, plowing with each of them. So 12 different guys, 24 total cows. That, that represents a lot of wealth, a lot of wealth. Whoever owns this field and this operation is very, very wealthy. It's kind of the point of these details in the story. It says, he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elisha went up to him and threw his cloak around him. This guy wore a cloak. Superman wears a cloak. Okay, and, and Elijah was famous. Superman was famous. This is literally, as, as they're sitting there in this field, having Elijah come up to you and take his cloak off would be like you sitting in your cubicle at work 
and like Superman walks into your building, goes past the management section, goes down to your floor, past the water cooler, past the microwave where the guy in there has just cooked leftovers from yesterday and it's making the whole office stink and you're mad at him. You're sitting there typing away, doing the tasks you do every single day. All of a sudden, Superman walks up to you at your desk, takes his cape off and puts it around your shoulders. That is literally what happens to Elisha. The cloak represents his mantle, his authority, his power. He goes and just puts it on this guy. And Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah and says, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye and I'll come with you. Go back, Elijah replied, what have I done to you? So Elijah left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. I'm gonna to talk to you today, part three of No Lost Causes. It's called The Field, The Field. Father, thank you for your presence, for your goodness. Lord, touch every heart in this room. Uh, let our lives be open to the hope that only you can bring. If anyone feels like they're lost today, we thank, are thankful, Lord, that you said that the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. We're grateful for that today. And we know that we're found in you. Help me to deliver this in a way that honors you. And let there be miracles in this place today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said. Come on, everybody said what? We ready to have some church today? We ready for some hallelujahs? La presencia del Señor está aquí a este momento. Amen. I got to learn some. Amen. Amen. Necesito aprendo nueva palabras. Amen. Pero it's okay, you know, because I don't know Spanish very well, but I'm doing the best I can, all right? So here we go. Let's preach today. Yo quiero predicar en español un día, pero necesito mucho practicar. Amen. 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 Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. La presencia del Señor es más poderoso que todos. Amen. Never done that one before, huh? All right, okay, all right. We'll see what happens here today. I don't know. Something's about to happen in this place. You ever been through a season of your life that you felt like, honestly, was just a big waste of time? Any human beings in the room today that would just admit that in church? You ever been through a season of your life, wave your hand at me if you've ever been through a season of your life, that in the moment, as you were going through it, you thought, my God, this is just a total way. You ever been in a relationship in your life, don't point at anyone, <laughs> that when you look at, back at that relationship, you go, my God, what was I doing? Who would wave your hand at me and say, that was a waste of time? Say it out loud. Say, that was a waste of time. Anybody ever feel like you've wasted some of your life on something, that you were in a predicament you failed to see the value of that season as you were in it. It was just really, really tough. You may not know this about my family story, but did you know that at one time, if somebody asked me and said, what does your father do for a living? The answer would be, my dad sells coffins. Did you know that? Did you guys know that Pastor Gary, at one time, sold coffins for a living. Okay, now let me explain. That was not his dream job. Okay, my dad grew up as a preacher, and he was in an organization and was at the top of that organization. 
a denomination. And, and he, he would, every church he would go to, he would preach at it and it would get full and there'd be people from wall to wall in the room. And in that organization, they had very strict policies about who and who could not be saved. And certain types of people would start coming to the church that they weren't comfortable with. And divorced people and broken people. And that was back in the day, a day and age where even if a divorced person came to your church, they couldn't be a member of your church. And, and so what would happen is my dad would you know, talk to the people in the church, the, the people that ran it, and just say, look, this is messed up. This is not it's true. It's, just, it's, it's wrong. And, and they'd say, okay, well, fine. We'll send you to Kansas then. And they'd send him to a church in Kansas with one member uh, and, and that no one had ever built before. And he'd turn that joker from one member to three services and full from wall to wall. they said, well, let's send him somewhere else where he can't build a big church. And it just kind of went that way until finally it got to the point where he was like, I can't do this anymore. And so he left the organization and moved to Florida. Why? Mickey Mouse, right? Why, why else would he move to Florida? There's Mickey Mouse in Florida. And it was sort of one of those things that seriously, it's, it's like they, they wanted to go somewhere. They, they grew up in Alabama. They were, they're going to go to Scottsdale or Orlando. And I'm glad they chose Orlando. Praise the Lord. Because I like Mickey Mouse too. So anyways, in, this, in the way the story goes is mom and dad were church people. Didn't know anything else to do with their life except to sing, worship, preach. That's, they'd grown up in that kind of environment. So they started playing in nightclubs and they started playing like at, at lounges and stuff. Uh, and what they would do is they didn't even know really secular music. They'd go learn top 40 songs and in their gospel style, mom would play the keyboard, dad would play guitar and they were the number one duo in Orlando that would headline all the big hotels throughout Orlando. And people would literally get saved in their sets. They would, they would hear them play and come up to mom and dad. Mom and dad would lead people to Christ in a lounge uh, and just kept everything that they did, they just kind of took it to the next level. So, so what would happen is they had a dream of starting a church, couldn't come, get enough money uh, to come up with to do it with just the, the nightclub singing. And so dad took a job selling coffins. And uh, do you know what's crazy? Is he became the number one coffin salesman in his organization. And he used to bring home all these trophies and certificates and he was the number one coffee, coffee, coffin salesman. Coffee would have been kind of cool too. I mean, coffins are cool too, but uh, anyways. So uh, he, he just crushed it at doing what he was doing and God kept opening doors and kept opening doors. And the reason I want to talk to you about that is, is because he eventually found himself working on the railroad. And the railroad op job that he had was, was lucrative and, and it, it paid more than anything else that he was doing, but he, it was a very physical job and he was out in the middle of nowhere uh, laying this railroad and, and working with this chemical called creosote where he'd come home at the end of the day and his hands would be just burned up and he'd have, you know, sores all over his body. He'd be tired and worn out. And the reason I'm telling you the story today is at that moment of his life, it was a big question mark what his future was going to look like. And I want to pause that. And I want to come back to that in just a minute. But first, I want to look at this story that we started in where we see Elisha, who represents a wealthy family, and he represents the heir to the wealth of that family. But he finds himself at a point in his life where he is out in a field plowing with a bunch of cows. And Elijah, who is this great man of God, finds Elijah in the middle of this field 
that Elisha does not really fit in the field that he's in. Can I just tell you something today? Never judge someone's destiny because of the type of field that they are working in in any given moment. Never judge someone's destiny. Come on, if you're here, make some noise today. Come on, give God a praise. Did you know that before Jeff Bezos started Amazon, at one time he flipped cheeseburgers at McDonald's? How many people think he's got enough money to retire today if he wanted to? Yeah, never judge someone's destiny by the size of the field that they're in at any given moment. Oprah Winfrey bagged groceries. Never judge someone's destiny by the size of the field they're in at any given moment. Barack Obama wants his job with scooping ice cream. Never judge someone's destiny by the size of the field they're in at any given moment. Did you know at one time Pope Francis was a nightclub bouncer? Look at someone next to you say, the, the Pope! Beat people up! Never judge someone's destiny by the size of the field they're in at any given moment. I don't know what your field looks like. I don't know where you're working right now. I don't know what your responsibilities are right now. But I know you don't need to have other people judging it, and you certainly don't need to be judging it because you are in it right now. God never starts with a finished product. Why? Because he wants to get the glory when all is said and done. God doesn't go looking for people that already have all the degrees and are finished and are like stamped on an assembly line. God wants to look for worn down, worn out, broken down, messed up people that he can call out of where they are and he can put his hand on them and take them from one field and put his cloak on them and elevate them from one place to another so when they get to this final place, people will say, look at what God did. That's the kind of God we serve. Look at somebody next to you and say, I think you're going to be all right. Elijah is out there. And by the way, if you don't know the story of Elisha and Elijah, Elisha served Elijah for seven years after this. And Elijah was, I told you, he was like Superman. He was famous. He was like a living superhero to all the people in Israel. Elisha went on to perform double the miracles that Elijah performed. So the greatest man of God the world had ever seen was found in a field. What was he found doing in that field? Staring all day at the rear ends of creatures that were dumber than him? Maybe you can relate with that today. Maybe today you're in a field and you just have one job. It's like, look at what's ahead of you. It's like, whoa, 
Just that's the rear end of a creature that is not as smart as I am. And my, my job is just to follow and follow and follow. And then I turn around and I follow and I follow and I follow. And I turn around and I follow and I follow. Maybe that's you today. And maybe you've given up any hope today. Maybe you feel like you are a lost cause today. See, Elijah was in a field that wasn't as great as the one that he was called to. But he was being faithful. Be faithful over your field today. Be faithful over the field that God has put you in. How will you ever get elevated to a bigger field and a greater field if you're not faithful over the field that God has put you in right now. God is watching you. God is looking at you. And not only is God looking at you, but somebody else is watching you. Somebody else is observing your faithfulness. God looks at faithful people and he elevates faithful people. And I got news for you. So do leaders. You've got leaders that are watching you. What do leaders do when they're looking for someone to do a job? They say, well, who has already been faithful over the job that I have given them already? Because let me find him, okay? He did this well down at this level. Now let's give him a bigger platform and see if he's able to accomplish it. Then they elevate you and then you go, wow, look at this. He's crushing this level too. Now let's elevate him again. And now you take him up to the next level and he crushes that level. And you take him to another level and maybe he gets to the point where he can't quite do the job at this level. And that's the moment of truth for a person to find out what their capacity is. The leader might not give up on them though. And they might say, let's give him a chance at what happens is sometimes you'll find the kind of leaders that go I don't quite have the capacity to do the job I need to do so I need to grow I need to change I need to expand I need to get to another level so they start stretching themselves filling themselves with information equipping themselves to be a next level leader and what's amazing is that sometimes you'll find the kind person like Elisha that's got a, a double anointing, a triple anointing, and they'll, they'll finally get the tools to be able to not only do that job, but even get to another level. That's what great leaders do. They look for faithful people who have been faithful over what they have already been given. Look at someone dead in the eye right now and say, you have something that you've already been assigned to. Come on, look at them. Now look at them one time and say, now stop complaining about it and crush it. Crush it. Somebody say crush it. I look down at my, my buddy Emil that's down here on the front row. Got a fantastic job with Walt Disney World. He's doing a great job at the level he is, but you know what his first job was 25 years ago? He was a janitor at Walt Disney World. And you know what he did as a janitor? He crushed it. He crushed it as a janitor. And when you crush it as a janitor, somebody is going to look at you, crush it. They're going to say, who's that boy? Who's that bald-headed boy that shows up every day with that smile on his face? I don't think he was bald at the time. But who, who's that guy that shows up every single day with a smile on his face, pushing that, pushing that mop around and saying hello to everyone and shaking people's hands? Get, put him over something. Let's, let's promote him. Let's get him from that place because if he can bring excellence to that area, he can raise somebody up and we can leave that to them and he can go to a... Are you seeing where this is going? See, this is what happened to Elisha. Because I don't believe Elisha was just asleep back there that day. You know what I believe he was doing? I believe he was saying, let's get it. 
Come on, let's get it, boys. Let's do this thing. I believe that he was a guy that was already after it. And I believe that's something that Elijah saw in him. I believe that's what God saw in him. Is he was someone that was, Matthew 25, 23 says, you've been faithful over a few things and now I'm going to make you ruler over many. Sometimes God will set you under something or set you under someone just to see if you're willing to be under authority. Sometimes it'll even set you under someone that's not as capable as you are. Sometimes he'll set you under somebody that you don't fully agree with. Why? Because God cares a whole lot more about who you're under than how many people you're over. See, what God wants to know is who are you under? Who are you willing to sit under? Because if Elisha had that great of a call on his life, and he knew it, God lets us know when we got destiny in our life. How many people are in here today, God's given you a dream and you know what that dream is? Raise your hand if you got the dream that God has already showed you some of the things you're gonna do. See, God lets us know. Elisha had those dreams. He knew that there was greatness in his life. He maybe didn't know how he was gonna get there from where he was, but he knew there was greatness. That's why I said earlier, he was stuck all day staring at the rear ends of creatures that were not as smart as him. And we feel like at times in our life, we're like, what am I doing surrounded by all these dumb people? Say hallelujah if you're alive and you're a real human being today. Well, don't, don't point, ma'am. It's, 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 it's not kind. No, I'm kidding. She didn't point. That's a, that's a preacher joke. And sometimes we, are, sometimes we are in those moments where we don't get. That's why I opened the, with the question, have you ever been through a season where you don't understand what's going on? We're like doing the same thing for weeks for months for years and we don't understand why and this guy Elisha came from a wealthy family and most theologians do believe that he was the heir to that family's wealth that's why he's sitting in the back kind of observing everything that's going on and his dad had money but it doesn't matter if your dad has money if it's not your time. He was back there plowing. I remember the first job my dad gave me. I was 14 years old. You know what I was? Custodian. That's what my job was, custodian. Look at someone next to you say, Pastor Jeff's the worst custodian in the history of the world. So everything I said about being great at what God has assigned you, forget about it when it comes to my story because I was a terrible custodian. I was, I, my dad bought me this outfit. He bought me gloves. He brought, bought me all the tools. And all I want to do is go show people my gloves. I was like, hey, look at these gloves right here. See these gloves? And I'd go out, he said, now Jeff, mulch the side of the building. I'd be like, what's mulch? He said, well, I'll show you what it is. Just uh, come on, son, you're working for me. Just do what I ask you to do. He'd, he'd say, take this mulch and spread it all over the place. He's like, I'm going to go back in there and work. And so I, I'm 14 years old. And I, gra- I get that mulch and I start mulching. And I probably mulched an area about as long as that front row. And I never, I had sweat dripping off me. And I ran back to his door. I knocked on his door. I said, Dad, he had a 
people in there, like elders meeting or something, a board meeting. There's all these guys in his office. I come in there with my I'm dad. I got the gloves on. Look at this right here. I'm like, can I see you for a second? He's like, son, what, what, what do you need? I said, dad, just come here. I got to show you something. I'd come out and I'd, I'd say, hey, dad, look at that right there. Look at that. He'd go, yeah, what, 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 do you, what is that? I'd say, it's, it's, I did it. He's like, son, do the whole building. I asked you to do the whole entire building. So I didn't start out with a super glamorous job myself. I, I was my dad's son, but you know what? It wasn't my time. Look at someone next to you say, it might not be your time. Let me tell you something. Elisha showed up just like any other day. And I'm sure that day when he woke up, it felt like a normal day. You know what it probably felt like? Groundhog day. Y'all ever seen that movie Groundhog Day where you wake up and you look over the alarm clock, it's the same exact time on the clock. The clock is playing the same song. You look out the window, the same car is coming around the corner. You get in your car, you go to work, the same song playing, good morning, St. Cloud. And, and the same exact thing happens. Elisha probably didn't feel any different than he felt on a normal day, but I got news for you, it wasn't a normal day. It was the day that God had been watching his faithfulness for years and years. And God said, I'm going to send a man your way that is going to put a cloak on you. And he's going to put an anointing on you that you cannot imagine. And your entire life is going to be changed after this day. I love the fact that God always finds us faithful in the field. Somebody say, be faithful in the field. He always finds us faithful in the field. Be faithful in your field. Stop, stop demeaning your field. Stop looking down at your field. Stop looking down at the, the things that are in your field. Start speaking life over it. Start bringing excellence to it. I got news for you. There was a man named David. And when he was a young boy, he was out in the field one day and he was tending to his sheep like any other day. And somebody ran up to him and said, hey, David, there's somebody here that is asking for you. And he said, well, who is it? They said, the prophet Samuel. He's actually looking for the next king of Israel. He's looked at all of your strong, big, tall brothers. And he said, it's none of them. Are there any brothers left? And I told him, there's one more. He's a shepherd. He's out there with the sheep. You couldn't be talking about him. And he, he walked up confused. He didn't know what was going on. And all of a sudden, Samuel starts pouring anointing oil all over his head. Next king of Israel is going, what is going on here? I'm a shepherd. I've just been out there with my sheep in the field. Come on, somebody say, stay in the field. Somebody say, remain in the field. Somebody say, be faithful in the field. Come on, say, my time is coming. See, Galatians 4, 4, 1 says, what I am saying, this is Paul talking, is that as long as an heir, an heir is someone who is going to receive an inheritance, as long as an heir is under age, he's no different than a slave. Although he owns the whole estate. So he's no different 
than a common worker. While he's just an underage heir, it may all be coming his way, but he ain't got no authority at all. So what it's saying is it don't matter how big your destiny is. If your time ain't come, it ain't come. Sometimes you have to do what you have to do to get to do what you want to do. I said sometimes you have to do what you have to do someday to be able to get to do what you want to do. And you just got to stay in that field. Even though you're an heir, even though you've got a promise, even though you've got an inheritance, this is coming your way someday. You got to remind yourself to be faithful. And it says, he ain't no different than a slave. It don't say ain't, but he's no different than a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. What does that mean? That even though you got a great destiny, God will put you under people. He will put you under people that are managing your destiny. Anybody here on a Sunday morning? Under people that you don't agree with their decisions. You don't agree with their logic. You don't like the fact that they don't call you back more. You don't like the fact that they don't hang out with you more. You don't like the fact that they don't do more Insta posts about you. They're managing your destiny. Why? Because it's not yet your time. Oh, I love this part though. It says, but when the time, when the set time had fully come, it says we were like the underage. We were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Look at someone next to you say, your time is coming to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit that calls out Abba Father, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. You are an heir today, even though you're in the field. even though you feel stuck in the field. See, what my dad didn't realize out in the middle of that field, and he was in the middle of a field working on the railroad, when God spoke to him and said, look up. One day while working on the railroad, on his break, God said, look up. He looked up and God said, everything you see right now, I'm gonna give to you. Okay, this is in the early 1980s. My dad didn't even know where he was. They'd put you on a truck, take you out to work. You'd go down the rail. You didn't know where you were. So he had to go to the foreman and say, what is all that out there? And the guy said, it's Kissimmee. My dad said, what's a Kissimmee? <laughs> Never even heard of Kissimmee. We lived over in Pine Hills. I lived over there from Alabama. and had no reason to come down to Kissimmee. He said, that's Kissimmee. And so... My dad came home and told my mom, said, you know, we've been to that spot. My dad retraced where that spot is. And did you know that when you're looking from that spot, when you look at that spot at where you were, it wasn't just Kissimmee. It's right where our church is, where he was looking at, the direction where he was looking at. God said, I'll give you everything you see. What was he doing? He was being faithful in the field that God had given him. 
You may not have your dream job right now. You may not have your dream relationships right now, but be faithful over the ones that God has given you. Stop complaining all the time about what you don't have. Be grateful for what God has actually given you. And what you don't realize is God is going to send somebody your way that has the power to bless you. God will send people into your life that have the power to bless you. But believe me, they will be observing you. And they will be watching you and seeing what kind of attitude of excellence you have or do not have. And I think many times based on that attitude is whether or not we end up getting that blessing or not. See, my dad didn't realize in the middle of that railroad that railroads are places of transition. They're junctures of transition, places that get you from one place to another. And he didn't even realize that in the natural, he was standing on a track that gets people from one place to another. But God used his faithfulness in the field to take him from one place in his life to a brand new place in his life. God, amen. Come on, somebody give God a praise today. Somebody say, be faithful in the field. You're not a lost cause because of the field you're in or the season you're in. As a matter of fact, the worse it is, the greater the opportunity for God to get the glory. You're in a bad situation. You failed a lot. You're broken. You're messed up. Good. That means you're qualified to be used by God. Because every other great person that God used was failed also. You're no longer a slave. Keep working on the railroad. Stay faithful in the field. And I love this too. It says, Elijah then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. I love that about Elijah. That tells you, you know, what a boss he was. He threw his cloak on him and just kept walking. And, you know, he just, he just did his thing. He's like, they're the cloak. He's going to figure out who I am in a little bit. He's going to come running. I like that about Elijah. He just kept doing his thing. Then he comes back and he runs up to him and he goes, hey, and, and I just want to close with this. He goes, hey, let, let me kiss my, my father and mother goodbye. And th then I'll come with you. And I think th this is a really personal kind of statement. This is one of the reasons when I read things like this, I think the Bible is so full of details that if someone just made up this story, they would never write something like this. He said, go back. Then he says this, he goes, what have I done to you? And I think it's an, an awareness. It's like, wow, this guy has no idea what he is going to have to go through now. What it's actually going to cost him to have the kind of destiny that he's always been dreaming of. I'm going to tell you something. For you to step into your destiny, it's going to cost you a lot. Not a lot. It's going to cost you everything. So some of the things you've been dreaming about, you'd be surprised the level it takes to maintain those kinds of things. So... I'm saying don't be discouraged today where you are, wherever you are. Be faithful in your field. But also, don't forget about the fact that when you, when you elevate and you go to a new level, there's always new expectations for you at that level. You're going to have to be willing to grow and to stretch and to change. And next week, I'm going to continue my series on No Lost Causes, and I'm going to talk about an idea called No Plan B. And, and I feel like it's going to resonate and connect with a lot of you guys. I want you to come back ready and hungry. I believe God is going to do some new things in your life. Don't get discouraged today by the size of your field. Don't judge your destiny by the field you're in at any given moment. And just be faithful to God. And I believe that he's going to send somebody your way that's going to bless you. I believe there's a lot of people in this room that even very soon, possibly for you, that cloak, that mantle is going to be put on your shoulders. And you're going to be moving into another level in a relationship, in your marriage, in your finances, in your business, in your health. I believe that's coming right now in Jesus' name. I speak that over you. I speak that over you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.